Welcome to the Filene Fill-In, the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. Today's interview is a first for our podcast. I visited the home base of one of our research fellows on a recent trip to Washington, D.C. There, Professor Anna Maria Lusardi, by the way, she says her own name so much more beautifully. Anna Maria Lusardi from GFLEC graciously invited me to tour her humble but impressive research center on the George Washington University campus to catch up and to continue a conversation that we started a month earlier at GAC. Anna Maria, by the way, is the most kind, genuine, and welcoming person you could ever meet. If you ever have the chance to see her speak or to meet with her, you really must. We spoke about the work she's doing through the Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center, or GFLAC, where she is the academic director, in addition to being the Dented Trust Chair of Economics and Accountancy at the George Washington University School of Business. We discussed the ways in which her work is changing global financial literacy methodology and practice, shaping the world's research on the topic, and influencing policy both nationally and internationally around financial literacy, which are the three primary pillars of focus for GFLAC. More specifically, GFLEC, as stated by their mission, seeks to inform policy as well as develop and promote financial literacy programs around the world. GFLEC focuses on groundbreaking research with a particular emphasis on financial education in schools, in the workplace, and in the community. It is also engaged in research that looks at financial literacy among the young and women, two particularly vulnerable populations. It then seeks to make research findings more accessible to policymakers. In addition to her previous collaborations with the Filene Research Institute, Anna Maria has worked with the TIAA Institute and FINRA, and her work has been featured in countless publications from highly esteemed academic journals like the Journal of Political Economy, where her paper on financial knowledge and wealth inequality was just published, which we'll link to that report in the show notes, to the likes of Forbes, Kiplinger's, and the Wall Street Journal, and now, of course, the Filene Fill-In Podcast. Yep, that's when you know you've hit it big time. Anna Maria's work is extremely important, with big implications. In a Wall Street Journal article attempting to explain what's really behind the gender gap in financial literacy, she explained that if asked three simple questions designed to measure financial literacy, more than half of Americans will answer incorrectly. But there is also another disturbing finding in the data from the U.S. National Financial Capability Study. Women know even less than men. She says one takeaway from the study is that learning from experience or from participating in financial markets is not enough, that women are still left behind. Think about that. Perhaps, she says, women simply have less opportunity to learn. One simple way to equip everyone with basic financial skills and close the gender gap, she says, is to start at the beginning, adding financial literacy in school. Now, It's a simple idea, but if you're a credit union person listening to this, is that not music to your ears? To imagine a world in which every student is taught financial literacy skills right alongside reading, sharing, and playing nice in kindergarten? 
I had an amazing, insightful, eye-opening conversation with Anna Maria. She gave me a tour of their facility, which got me even more excited about the potential that her work can have through research, education, and policy on millions of people, not just in this country, but around the globe. She gave me a goodie bag of research papers and articles to read, even inducted me in her special Blue Book Club, qualifications of which simply entail having one of her blue G-Fleck notebooks, which I am using now with great pride. And she even followed up with more links to the published papers on student loan debt burdens and financial fragility of American families and the use of high-cost methods of borrowing that her center puts out. All of this is really stuff to, to really geek out about if you're interested in the intersection of human psychology and financial education, albeit it is a bit depressing. And then I asked if we could record a podcast so that others could learn from her too. She graciously agreed, and what follows is that discussion. One point of particular interest for credit unions I asked Anna Maria what advice she has for credit unions, given her knowledge and experience, for effectively increasing the financial literacy of their community of members. She gives a thoughtful three-part answer, so be sure to listen for that in the discussion. And just one final reminder for new listeners of our podcast that you can catch all future episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Google Play. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're doing here, please do leave a rating or a comment on iTunes for us. Or if you'd like to reach out to us and suggest something for a future show, you can always tweet us at, at Filene Research, or you can email me at hollyf at Thank you for, for joining us on today's podcast. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be here with us. No, thank you. It's a pleasure to tell you more about the Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center, or GFLEC, right. as we call it. Um, we are very happy and excited to be here with you today. Great. Thank you. Again, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Can you start out by explaining a little bit about what GFLEC is? So I normally say that uh, we mean everything in our name. Mm -hmm. So we are global because financial literacy is not just a domestic or American problem. It extends to the rest of the world. We focus on financial literacy uh, and uh, um, we do a lot of research. So the vowel E is very important in mm -hmm. our name so that we can pronounce it, but also uh, it defines what we do. And so we want to do excellent research so we can advance this topic and provide a rigorous foundation. And it is a center in a sense that, you know, we are uh, a, in an organization, a, 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 an existing group of people all working on this mission of advancing financial literacy in the world. Mm -hmm. And so this month, April, in in the U.S., maybe internationally as well, uh, is, is Financial Literacy Month. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it, is it 
safe to say this is kind of the, the biggest, uh, most active month of the year for your work? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so actually, uh, it's only financial literacy month in the U.S. Okay. Other countries have their own month. Oh, okay. So, for example, Canada is a different month for financial literacy. But you are absolutely right that for us, this is a very active month. Uh, we have done and we are doing a lot of activities to promote financial literacy. The beauty or the advantage of having a month dedicated to financial literacy is that we can, you know, use the attention to this topic to increase awareness, to talk about programs and to do more work. The objective, believe it or not, is in the future not to have this month any more dedicated to financial literacy because hopefully it's not a problem uh, yet again. You know, we are looking into the future, um, but that's our dream that we can have April dedicated to something else. Right, to put yourself out <laughs> of business because no one needs any more financial literacy because they have been fully educated. Mm -hmm. That would be a great, a great place to live, I know. Um, so who is the target of the work that you're doing in the center? We are targeting mostly academics. We do a lot of research, but also policymakers, practitioners, and those really interested in financial literacy and financial education. Um, so clearly, you know, we are targeting a large group, but mostly those who work in this area. Okay. And I was reading a little bit online about the center, about GFLEC, and I saw that some of the main outputs or main areas of work involve research and then, of course, education and also policy. So I find that very interesting. Of uh, it, it makes sense. They all kind of flow together. Mm -hmm. But can you talk a little bit about um, how the research that you do and the education that you do then leads to a potential um, influence in policy on financial topics? That's exactly what we do. These, these are our three topics and where we put all of our effort. And so we do a lot of research because we want to provide the most rigorous foundation for doing education and for guiding policy as well. So in a sense, the research comes first, and this is why we also have this excellence in our name. Uh, we have done a lot of data collection. We have done a lot of research throughout time um, to really document, uh, for example, the problem of financial illiteracy and the consequences of financial illiteracy. And we do a lot of the research and try to do the most rigorous work so that we can provide that, that important foundation. And by the way, we also promote research in this area. And then we use that research to design financial education programs. So the research is also the basis for designing other programs and also is also the basis for providing, for example, policy recommendation. And we try to do a lot of dissemination and communication so that uh, also the policymaker can see uh, our work and we translate, in a sense, our research uh, for, uh, for the policymaker 
the practitioner as well. And because we are within a university, I have also to say that we have uh, we also do financial education at mm-hmm. the university. We are global, but when you are global, you have to start local. Mm-hmm. And for several years, for example, we have started a personal finance course here at the business school. So student AGW can also take a course in personal finance. Oh, that's so interesting. I wanted to ask about that in particular, the education piece of it. First of all, because it's global, have you seen that the challenges that people face with their finances in this country, is it very different than in other countries? Or is there a similar theme of what is most challenging or most um, limiting to uh, someone's financial education? It's a great question. We have a project which we call Financial Literacy Around the World, and the acronym is FLAT World. Mm -hmm. And paraphrasing the important work of Thomas Friedman, we say as well that the world is flat when it comes to financial literacy, Mm -hmm. meaning that we find very similar challenges around the world when it comes to personal finance. For example, the the topics that people struggle most when it comes to personal finance. We also find the striking similarities in how people answer the financial literacy questions. So, for example, doing uh, this global research, we have found that women answer in the same way the financial literacy question all over the countries. And we find also that the vulnerable groups when it comes to financial literacy are very, very similar across countries. So the world is very similar. There are lots of similarities in looking at financial literacy than uh, dissimilarities. Mm -hmm. And that's also why I think it's useful and important to have a global perspective because we can learn from these countries, from the other countries, and also we can use the experience from the U.S. and potentially apply to other countries as well. Yeah, and what about breaking it down a little bit further rather than countries, but Um, the individuals that are receiving the education. Do you feel that financial literacy is kind of one size fits all? Or is there a strategy that works better for women versus men or other demographics that, that you work with, whether it be younger to older or different education levels or different um, uh, income levels? Have you found that there's a, a better approach to reaching people? In all of our research, we found that one size doesn't fit all. In fact, I normally say one size fits one. It's like mm-hmm. the shoes. Yeah. Um, so and because of that, we have to be very cognizant about, you know, doing program and targeting different group of the population um, and so that we are more effective in, pro- in improving financial literacy. One example are the young. And I think, you know, it's incredibly important if we want to reach the young to have financial literacy in the school because this is a way to make it scalable to reach a wide group of the population and also to reach them at an important moment, meaning before they make Mm -hmm. important financial decisions. But then when you look at the adult population, for example, we see a strong gender difference in financial literacy, and that's why I think it's very important to target women, which in my view can have a multiplier effect 
because normally women care about the well-being and also the finances of others around them, for example, children, parents, or their household. And so by targeting women, you might actually have a, wide, a wider reach than in other groups. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, to be effective, I think we need to be where people are. And so when we look at the adult population, I think it's very important to look, consider, for example, uh, education in the workplace, because that's mm -hmm. a place where people are and where they are, where they are making important financial decisions. But of course, there are other age groups which are important. For example, those close to retirement, they have to make very important financial decisions, including when to withdraw social security or pensions. And also those already retired, we are currently studying entrepreneurs and how important it is financial literacy to promote entrepreneurship and looking at other groups as well. The more one can target specific group, I think the better uh, the, uh, the program can be. Mm -hmm. And drawing from that, drawing from your research and your experience in financial literacy, do you have any advice for credit unions that may be seeking to educate their members, which are typically um, individuals from their communities of uh, all shapes and sizes, but um, connected in the sense that they're in, they share the community. And, and, and do you have any advice for how they can help with uh, financial yeah. literacy? I have three advices. One is that financial literacy should not be taken for granted. Even when you have a person in front of you, potentially, which has even higher income or higher education, that doesn't mean that this person is financially literate. We have found that financial literacy is very widespread and more than we think. Uh, and we find, for example, that you know people do not know about many of the typical topics of personal finance up to the age of 40 or even beyond when, unfortunately, we have made so many financial decisions. So even when one is considering people which has done a lot of financial decision, it doesn't mean that this person is financially literate. So something to think about. The second thing that our research shows is that financial literacy is important and consequential. So I think infusing product, help, with a little bit of education, I think can be very important because it can raise the awareness and it can also make uh, client use the service of credit mm -hmm. unions better. And, and you might have actually better clients as well. So you have also, I think, to build, in a sense, uh, the knowledge of your clients. And I think it will result in better clients as well. And third, I want to echo what I mentioned earlier, which is that one size doesn't fit all. And one has to recognize the many differences that exist when it comes, I think, not only to financial literacy, but to personal finance and to the needs of individual. We work with a lot of micro data. And one of the things that comes out very strongly is how different people are, even if they have the same income, education, mm -hmm. and so on. And so it's very important, I think, to target these different groups because they are likely to have very different needs, very different understanding, very different requirement. And providing uh, solutions to all these different needs, I think, is probably the best way to help people 
mm-hmm. to empower people to make the best financial decisions. So taking more of a comprehensive look rather than financial literacy being an island by itself that isn't related to all of the other aspects, products and services that a, that a credit union could offer, but more incorporating components of financial literacy to the products that are tailored to the needs of the individuals in the community. Absolutely. So incorporating some education, but tailoring to these needs of these very different population that one gets. And I think the result would be better clients, happier clients as Mm -hmm. well, and potentially, therefore, a a better relationship Mm -hmm. uh, in a and in a sense, better credit unions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes it a little bit more palatable. It's it's maybe bite-sized information, the right people at the right time mm-hmm. um, with the, the right information that they need right then and there. So um, that's what we always say in communication, that that's the yeah. best way to, to reach someone with information. So I think that's really, really wise. Yeah. So personal finance is complex for a lot of people, uh, and but this is what we do every day. And I think um, as credit union potentially, you know, gear up to provide, you know, uh, more help in, uh, in, in to provide to clients so that they can actually make good financial decision and really use in the best way the product that the credit union offer, I think it will create a, create a good combinations um, and, you know, a good and long-lasting relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The work that you're doing is immensely important. And we were talking earlier about how this education is strongly correlated with inequality. I find that really interesting, and and I think it's something that listeners of our podcast would like to hear more about. Can you explain a little bit about what what does that mean, that correlation between financial literacy and inequality? This is something we are very passionate about at uh, GFLAC, and, uh, and the reason is because we have done a lot of research recently actually documenting how financial literacy also could lead to wealth inequality. And this is the result of our most recent published paper that shows that a lot of the differences in wealth close to retirement can actually be attributed to the financial literacy that people have acquired or they have had during their lifetime. What this means is that financial literacy matters and financial literacy pays Mm -hmm. first. One is that those who are more financially literate or invest in financial literacy are more likely to have higher wealth at retirement. But the result is also that, you know, Uh, people are going to be a lot more unequal now that we have shifted that responsibility onto individuals. And because we see this wide inequality, I think it's very important that we provide access not only to products but also to education because that education is in itself going to be responsible for, you know, an outcome related to inequality later on. And so the less people have access to financial education, the more unequal they are Mm -hmm. going to be. Mm -hmm. 
And we see this also among the young. In one of the studies we did is we look at the financial literacy of young people, in fact, people at the beginning of their uh, career. And what we found is that it's a very small group of people. Those who are, fin are financially literate are a very small group. Not only they are small, but they are also already a privileged group. Mm -hmm. So the people who are financially literate at the beginning of their economic life are disproportionately white male mm -hmm. from college-educated families. Mm -hmm. So another reason why I think it's very important to provide access to financial education and to provide it, for example, in school, is that we need to reach a wide audience of young people um, and, you know, we need to provide financial literacy to those who would otherwise would not have access to because they don't come from family, which are financially educated. They don't receive financial education from their peers. And we don't want people just to learn from experience mm -hmm. because it could be slow and very expensive and also uh, potentially uh, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a number of credit unions working in our Reaching Minority Household Incubator right now that are testing uh, five different products, and we had talked about earlier, definitely several of them have literacy, financial literacy components to it, so I know those credit unions will be very glad to hear this information that your research backs it up and that the work that they can feel that the work that they're doing is really of utmost importance to combat the inequality issues in, that they're facing in their communities right now. So um, it's not only is this a prevalent issue, but that there is a, a feasible solution to it. I always say we have these bad statistics. We document these bad statistics mm -hmm. about financial literacy, you know, how low it is and the wide differences mm -hmm. uh, in those statistics. But I also say this is not our destiny. You know, we can change those statistics. Mm -hmm. And it takes the work of credit union, it takes the work, you know, of policymaker, it takes the work of ambassadors mm -hmm. of financial literacy. Um, and I think it's very important that we change those statistics because, you know, they can lead us to otherwise an unequal society, they can reinforce privilege, um, and they can, you know, and they they really do matter in the life of individual. Mm -hmm. uh, personal finance is, is becoming uh, and has become an important topic. And I think we need to equip people with the skills they need in order to succeed in today's society. Mm -hmm. What does Financial Literacy Month hold in store for uh, you at, at GFLAC? What does your month look like? So we have uh, several events. We are starting this week with the Cherry Blossom Financial Education Institute. This is our signature event uh, during this month because we are bringing together the best researcher around the world to talk about financial education and to study together, um, you know, what are the effects of financial education and to try to learn a lot more how to do financial education better. And then we continue with uh, a financial literacy seminar series where we are as well um, uh, discussing a lot more this topic, including some of our recent work. And then we are spending a lot of time this month to disseminate the work we have done, to translate the research we have done so it can reach 
um, a wide public. And so that's why we have written, we'll, we'll plan to write more. I have to say this podcast mm -hmm. is also a, a plan to disseminate a lot more our work to raise the awareness of financial literacy and to show that our research actually also can provide help in uh, not just documenting what the problem is, but also providing some solution when it comes to financial literacy. So we have done uh, a lot of programs and we have done lots of financial education, which we would like uh, other people to know and mm -hmm. that we would like to disseminate. Yeah, absolutely. I know that Filene is thrilled to be partnering with you and working to disseminate and to help share and spread all the work that you're doing and the, the publications that you've got out there. It's really important work. So I appreciate you explaining it to us today. And good luck with Financial Literacy Month. And um, is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners of the podcast before we wrap up? What I would like to say is that, you know, uh, Credit union have the potential to do a really important work when it comes to empowering their clients, when it comes to providing uh, education, and when it comes to, you know, improving, in a sense, uh, both the, the finances and eventually the well-beings um, of the clients. And, uh, and I think that's really important and something to, again, remember during Financial Literacy Month. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you again so much for being on our podcast. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. I really enjoyed doing this. And that is it for the fill-in, folks. Thanks again for listening. And one more huge thank you to Professor Ana Maria Lazardi for being our guest on the show today. If you like this episode, go out and rate us on iTunes so that more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-in podcast to keep up with what's going on at Filene. Thanks, everyone. I hope that's good.